Chapter 5 of Way of the Lawless by Max Brand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The yell with which Andrew Lanning has shot out of Martindale, and which only Jasper Lanning had recognized, was no more startling to the men of the village than it was to Andrew himself. Mingled in an ecstasy of emotion, there was fear, hate, anger, grief, and the joy of freedom in that cry, but it froze the marrow of Andy's bones to hear it. Fear, most of all, was driving him out of the village. Just as he rushed around the bend of the street, he looked back to the crowd of men tumbling upon their horses. Every hand there would be against him. He knew them. He ran over their names and faces. Thirty seconds before, he would rather have walked on the edge of a cliff than rouse the anger of a single one among these men. And now, by one blow, he had started them all after him. Once as he topped the rise, the folly of attempting to escape from their long-proved cunning made him draw in on the rein a little bit. But the horse only snorted and shook his head and burst into a greater effort of speed. After all, the horse was right, Andy decided. For the moment, he thought of turning and facing that crowd, but he remembered stories about men who had killed the enemy in fair fight, but who had been tried by a mob jury and strung to the nearest tree. Any sane man might have told Andrew that those days were some distance in the past, but Andy made no distinction between periods. He knew the most exciting events which had happened around Martindale in the past fifty years, and he saw no difference between one generation and the next. Was not Uncle Jasper himself continually dining into his ears the terrible possibility of trouble? Was not Uncle Jasper, even in his old age, religiously exacting in his hour or more of gun exercise each day? Did not Uncle Jasper force Andy to go through the same maneuvers for twice as long between sunset and sunrise? And why all these endless preparations if these men of Martindale were not killers? It might seem strange that Andy could have lived so long among these people without knowing them better, but he had taken from his mother a little strain of shyness. He never opened his mind to other people, and they really never opened themselves to Andy Lanning. The men of Martindale wore guns, and the conclusion had always been apparent to Andy that they wore guns because, in a pinch, they were ready to kill men. To Andy Lanning, as fear whipped him north out of Martindale, there seemed no pleasure or safety in the world except in the speed of his horse and the whir of the air against his face. When that speed faltered, he went to the quirt. He spurred mercilessly. Yet he had ridden his horse out to a stagger before he reached old Sullivan's place. Only when the forefeet of the Mustang began to pound did he realize his folly in exhausting his horse when the race had hardly begun. He went into the ranch house to get a new mount. When he was calmer, he realized that he had played his part well, astonishing well. His voice had not quivered. His eyes had met that of the old rancher every moment. His hand had been as steady as iron. Something Uncle Jasper had said reoccurred to him, something about iron dust. He felt now that there was indeed a strong, hard metal in him. Fear had put it there. 
Or was it fear itself? Was it not fear that had brought the gun into his hand so easily when the crowd rushed him from the door of the saloon? Was it not fear that made his nerves so rock-like as he faced that crowd and made his getaway? He was on one side now, and the world was on the other. He turned in the saddle and probed the thick blackness with his eyes. Then he sent the pinto on an easy, ground-devouring lope. Sometimes, as the ravine narrowed, the close walls made the creaking of the saddle leather loud in his ears, and the puffing of the pinto, who hated work. Sometimes the hoofs scuffed noisily through gravel, but usually the soft sand muffled the noise of hoofs, and there was a silence as dense as the night around Andy Lanning. Thinking back, he felt that it was all absurd and dreamlike. He had never hurt a man before in his life. Martindale knew it. Why could he not go back, face them, give up his gun, wait for the law to speak? But when he thought of this, he thought a moment later of a crowd rushing their horses through the night, leaning over their saddles to break the wind more easily, and all ready to kill on this man-trail. All at once a great hate welled up in him, and he went on with gritting teeth. It was out of this anger, oddly enough, that the memory of the girl came to him. She was like the falling of this starlight, pure, aloof, and strange and gentle. It seemed to Andrew Lanning that the instant of seeing her outweighed the rest of his life, but he would never see her again. How could he see her? And, if he saw her, what would he say to her? It would not be necessary to speak. One glance would be enough. But sooner or later, Bill Dozier would reach him. Why not sooner? Why not take the chance, ride to John Merchant's ranch, break away to the room where the girl slept this night, smash open the door, look at her once, and then fight his way out? He swung out of the ravine and headed across the hills. From the crest, the valley was broad and dark below him, and on the opposite side, the hills were blacker still. He let the pinto go down the steep slope at a walk, for there is nothing like a fast-paced downhill to tear the heart out of a horse. Besides, it came to him after he started, were not the men of Bill Dozier apt to miss this sudden swinging off the trail? In the floor of the valley he sent the pinto again into the stretching canter, found the road, and went on with a thin cloud of the alkali dust about him until the house rose suddenly out of the ground, a black mass whose gables seemed to look at him like so many heads above the treetops. End of chapter 5